Today we start chapter 6, but allow me to remind you something we spoke about in chapter 1. And that is that the Tanya presents the idea that was first articulated by the student of the Arizal, Rab Chaim Vital, that we don't just have a Yetzer Hara and a Yetzer Tov, a good inclination and a bad inclination, but rather we have two nefashot, two complete souls, two souls with full identities that are fighting for domination over our entire reality. In other words, I have one full body that's a spiritual body, in other words, fighting for spiritual body. And that means that it wants to, my mind to think Torah. It wants my emotions to be kosher emotions. And then I have a full body of mind and emotions, which is not for Hashem. That's not for Hashem. And these two powers are constantly fighting. Who is going to dominate my mind and my body? In other words, will my mind and emotions be consumed by godly ideas and or will they not be? And that will affect my actions, that will affect my entire reality. And this is a big deal. And interesting, Rabbi Shneur Zaman in chapter 6 presents the idea to prove that mind leads to the birth of emotions and that your ideas will determine your emotions. He says, look at a child. A child has a very unsophisticated mind. The mind is not fully developed. That's why even in the most secular societies you won't allow a child who has an inheritance to take control over the money at the age of five or ten, um, license to drive, to drink, etc., because there's a certain maturity that's not there, and it's not the child's fault, it's just biology. Now, as the mind grows, the emotions develop as well. A young child will get excited and disappointed over the silliest things. Why? Because their mind's not developed. Hopefully, as we mature, unless we don't, but if we do mature, our mind develops more sophisticated ideas, and by extension, our emotions become more sophisticated. Again, psychologists might say, but what do you mean? But most of us are very primitive, and our emotions are very basic, and it's true. A lot of us are very primitive, but that's because it's a child within us. But as we mature, the parts within our lives that mature, our emotions mature as well. So if our mind affects our emotions and that affects our actions, then there's the godly soul with his agenda and there's the animal soul with its agenda. Now, the animal soul is not necessarily evil. The animal soul simply wants one thing, animalistic pleasures. Now, if I choose my natural biological needs and I do it for good intention, for example, as I'm recording this, I'm sitting in front of a bakery and I'm about to buy food, which tastes good, hopefully. Now, if I eat my donut, Hanukkah donut, of course, and make a bracha, and the intention is to do it for the mitzvah, of course, and for, you know, do it just to get energy, to be able to do the right thing, then I took that potential and elevated it. And now it becomes part of my godly soul. But otherwise, if I, if I have no intention or I don't make a bracha or I just don't eat with the correct mind space, then it's it's just feeding my animal soul. And what he's going to argue over the next few chapters is that there's very little gray area. Once I put the donut in my mouth, it's either holy or it's not holy. Until it's in my mouth, the, the donut is neither holy nor not holy. It's just potential. 
unless it was a non-kosher donut, it doesn't even have potential for holiness. But a kosher donut has the potential. Either I'll elevate it and I'll use it for positive things or not. So in chapter 6, he starts really unpacking the animal soul and showing us that the animal soul is not just a little voice. It's a full reality. It's a mindset. The animal soul has a way of looking at the world. It has a way of feeling the world. And it has a way of acting within the world. And we have to be so mindful to make sure that we're not being seduced by its petty and yet seductive worldview.